suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time can't be Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moraghan, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. And welcome to our anniversary of sorts, our 200th podcast in this series entitled Things I Learned while learning other things. And over the the past 15 months in which we've gone live over the net, we've made a determined effort to weave a variety of stories on subjects that we have found interesting. And we know it would be asking far, far too much to hope that you have found all our storyboards interesting, informative, and entertaining. But we trek on in the honest belief there exists reasonable rationale upon which to base hopes that you have found that a fair share of our offerings have lived up to your expectations. Or as Don Henley would have said, you know, about certain Eagle songs, they have met band standards. So we try to resist the impulse on this anniversary day to go negative, you know, as was so often the case with that depressive, sickly, and neurotic Franz Kafka, who in his morose, bleak, and dismal storytelling wrote chillingly, there is hope, but not for us. But but we can't help ourselves today because on this anniversary, we are definitely going negative because we're talking about the city of Chicago. And they have an anniversary just around the corner. And it's not a positive one. No, it is not. It is a horrific story of murder, cold-blooded murder. So, so Chicago-like. And, and we make no bones about it. Chicago, where my brother J.S. and I grew up and worked, is now a full-fledged war zone. With more than 2,200 shootings per year, we believe it qualifies as a war zone. Though we readily admit Chicago is not, say, Mogadishu. But this is a grimy, dirty, dangerous city with a violent, nasty past. And, and, And with a grim future that should be expected, and it's more than likely that under the rule of its current, recently elected, moronic mayor, Brandon Johnson, it will maintain its violent nature. Johnson, by the way, is a coward, more more interested in demonstrating power through political gesture rather than by decisive, positive leadership action. He'd much prefer adopting and lecturing anyone who will listen as to the historical discrimination that has existed within the city and 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 the pleasure that he revels in his angry victimization rather than to seek remedies to the city's massive violent crime problems he's just another guy with a bullhorn and a bunch of beefs Unlike Alan Iverson, 
Brandon Johnson will never, ever earn the nickname The Answer. Because, in fact, he isn't the answer. He's a self-indulgent loudmouth who won't tackle real problems. He's just a rabble rouser with excuses and plenty of them. He's the kid in the classroom who yells and screams and, and, and disturbs and disrupts everyone, making sure that they will all remain as stupid as he is. No one is better off for having spent time with a man who has no interest in making people's lives better. He ruins things for everybody. This is the mayor of Chicago. He will be the grim reaper of death because he won't fight for the law-abiding citizens of his own city. He's just a demagogue lacking brains, balls, and character. He only has those beefs. He lacks wisdom. He, he assumes no responsibility for saving his city or the lives of people who live within the city. He blames everything on somebody else. He defiantly lacks courageous wisdom of the kind, kind exhibited by 18th century French philosopher Montesquieu, who made it clear that he recognized that there existed truths and responsibilities greater than himself when he wrote words that Brandon Johnson will never, ever understand. Montesquieu had written, If I knew something useful to me, but prejudicial to my family, I would put it out of my mind. If I knew something that was useful to my family, but not to my country, I'd try to forget it. And if I knew something that was useful to my country, but prejudicial to the human race, I'd consider it a crime. Brandon Johnson would not have a clue as to what Montesquieu is, is, is suggesting because Brandon Johnson is not a leader. He is a selfish, angry man with no clue as to what steps he ought to take to begin to end the violence that racks his city. Some wars, Brandon, are worth fighting, and Chicago's rampant street crime requires a leader willing to take on gang warlords and criminals to restore order, after which ordinary law-abiding citizens and families might then be safe in their own homes and on the streets of their city, Chicago. The city school children then might be safe with a chance to be educated. And if the street were made safe, businesses might have the potential to thrive. That would be an environment that would be healthy for everybody but the bad guys. But Brandon Johnson, lacking intelligence, character, and courage, he's at the rudder of a city that's under siege. You know, it's like while Rome burned, Nero fiddled. Well, while Chicagoans shoot each other by the dozens every day, Mayor Johnson screams only the trope of historical racism, the modern equivalent to the cry of blasphemy. He just blames white people, all white people, for the city's nightmarish existence and has no intention whatsoever of even making an effort to end all the gun violence 
and crime. As he has so, so memorably made clear, he sympathizes with looters and rioters. It's all okay by him because, so help me God, he told us, businesses have insurance. Oh, are you kidding me? God is my witness. Man, this man is a dangerous idiot. If Fyodor Dostoevsky was, you know, lived today, he'd write a book called The Idiot. And then I remember, oh, wait a minute. He did. Chicago, a grim future awaits alongside the grim history that is behind it. To explore this city's grim history, it is our intention to travel back in time as we approach the 100th anniversary of just a gruesome murder that was the centerpiece of what was at the time called the trial of the century, the murder trial of Leopold and Loeb. Fittingly, it did take place in Chicago, an inexplicably horrible, violent murder in a city that was already inured to violence a century ago. And in exploring this case, we will reveal details of this sickening murder, the twisted motivations of the heartless killers, and the trial of the perpetrators of that hideous crime, which riveted an entire nation almost exactly 100 years ago. And as an aside, you know, just in case it's necessary, all this trial of the century stuff, yes, of course, O.J. Simpson was and is a complete scumbag, and his 1994-1995 trial presided over by ringmaster, <laughs> an amazingly incompetent, in over his head, incompetent Judge Ito, whom actually even cried on the bench in the midst of the circus trial that he staged managed, if, if that's what we might call it, you know, his bench management of the carnival. This was a rare TV treat, quite something to behold, I'll admit. But it was not the trial of the century, not by a long shot, because OJ was just one more famous guy, insanely jealous of his ex-wife, and well, there's not a whole lot new there. The, the, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit stuff, you know, and all that other, you know, late Johnny Cochran race baiting bullshit. Now that, that all did prove very interesting TV, if not a true perversion of justice. Interesting too was, you know, at least I found it. So was OJ's voluntary admission, for whatever reason, to L.A. homicide detectives that he bleeds all the time, whatever that might mean. Okay, O.J. But in the end, O.J. Simpson was, was proven in the civil case that followed Judge Ito's abortion. He was no more, O.J. was, he was no more than your average mundane, routine, albeit famous, jealous, jilted lover killer. That's all he was. And as we sharpen our focus on the notorious Leopold and Loeb murder trial, which repelled the nation, we'll zero in on the two teenaged geniuses whom plotted the perfect murder of a 14-year-old neighbor boy. For, for, for no better nor no more complex reason than to kill the boy purely for the fun of it 
which ought to give one pause. But first, to set the stage, we really need to discuss the nature of the city of Chicago itself to get to, you know, to gain some perspective, a, a review of parts of three centuries ought to be able to allow us to place Leopold and Loeb and their trial in proper context. So we begin down that dark tunnel. Chicago over the past couple of centuries has done much to foster its reputation for brutality and violence. To quote one of its own, Nobel Prize winning author Saul Bellow himself wrote, no realistic, sane person goes around Chicago without protection. Oh my God, what does this mean? In, in evidence of, of this unseemly past, we'll cite brutal incidents of violence and immensely imbecilic decisions made by the city's executive authority in the form of the mayors that, that have only you know, cultivated a festering environment where no one can or should feel safe inside this city. And, and the newly elected mayor, Brandon Johnson, has made it clear Chicago's reputation for stupidity, brutality, and violence will not be reduced under his watch. That is for sure. In fact, he encourages it with embarrassing and dangerous statements such as this, and I quote, Ad administering standardized, standardized tests has roots in eugenics to prove the inferiority of black people. And then we go on, looters were just acting out of frustration and anguish. And Johnson, alongside apologist Ariel Atkins, a fellow Black Lives Matter activist, continue the malevolent and irresponsible rants. I mean, this is the mayor and his guys. A lot of people are like, oh, you support the looters. And yeah, we do, 100%. That's reparations. I will support looters till the end of the day. Oh my God, this is scary. The mayor and his guys. Human nature is such that random violence can break out at any time. But under mayors like, th like those who have served the people of Chicago for the last century, random violence is more likely to break out in Chicago than elsewhere. Mogadishu, Kabul, Tegucigalpa being, say, notable exceptions. Chicago mayors have long seemed more fit to be zookeepers than keepers of the peace. So with this terse you know, intro to the violence that racks the windy city, the trial of the century will be unveiled all in time and in its proper perspective as we continue to tell the story in our upcoming podcast involving the trial of the century. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be back. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
and be careful of walking on the streets of Chicago. I'm lost in a drift on the high 